The Detour is the Road. Uh, my wife Emily sent me that song a couple weeks ago, and uh, I was watching it and on YouTube, and the moment that, that line came up, The Detour is the Road. I don't know if you ever have those moments with the Lord, but it's just like speaking just right to me. So the detour is the road. The things that we've walked through as a church that have felt like just detour after detour have been, in fact, the road that the Lord has had us on this whole time. And so I'm just in tears in my office as I'm fighting back now. I'm just in tears in my office saying, this is, this is our story. This is, who, this is our story as a church. And so like I said, this morning we're going to do something a little bit different. We are so excited about where we're at right now as a church. I'm, I don't know if I've been this excited since I've been here about where we're at as a church. And we are so excited with some of the things that we're, we're thinking about and praying about in terms of moving forward. But man, we're also just convinced that as we dream about the future, we also need to stop and reflect over the past and the ways that the Lord has been faithful to us as a church over the past two years. And so that's what we're going to do this morning. So in uh, January of 2019, against uh, many of your better better judgment, uh, you cast a yes vote for our family to come to Rock Prairie and for me to be your senior pastor. I always joke with people that was a major snowstorm on the day that you voted, so I think that was maybe the way that I got in just by the skin of my teeth because those of you who were going to vote no stayed home, but uh, here we are. It was the Lord's plan for us to be here. And uh, so we, uh, we came for a, a candidating sermon in January, and then uh, in March, uh, we moved here uh, to Tipton, Indiana. And uh, March 5th of 2019 was my first day here at the church. And uh, many of you know the story. Some of you are newer, and you don't, maybe you don't know quite our whole story as a church. But five weeks later, uh, before I had the church chance to learn many of uh, your names even, uh, on the, the Wednesday before Easter, Pastor Kevin, who was here for 15 years, uh, senior pastor here, uh, many, the reason that many of you are, you are sitting in this room right now, Pastor Kevin took his life on the Wednesday before Easter. And that's, part, that's just part of our story as a church. I don't say it to just bring up old wounds, but at the same time, it's so important to acknowledge where we've come from and to be able to look back and see, even in our darkest moment imaginable, God proved himself faithful to us as a church. So I think it's important for us to acknowledge that where God has proved himself faithful and uh, from, the, from there as a church, and for me as a pastor, uh, things didn't get much easier because in that summer we started uh, running out of money real quick, and this is a story that we've told many times, but I will believe until the day that I die that in that summer and fall of 2019, the Lord was just pressing, like draining, like pulled the plug out on our finances and was just draining them because they were going down at such a steep rate, and if it was going down at a more normal rate, we would have come to a crisis point probably right about about March of 2020, but God allowed us, even in that pain and many sleepless nights of how are we going to survive as a church, you, the church came through in a big way, and we were able to pay off our debt uh, on this building, and God provided and is continuing to provide financially, and, and then as you know, we didn't know what was coming next because in March of 2020, the whole world turned upside down, and we entered a new era as a church with online services and outdoor services and mass 
masked services and more online services and all sorts of protocols for how we're supposed to have church, make church happen. And I can't tell you the joy that I have in seeing this building full after preaching many, many sermons sitting right here and it just being completely empty. And uh, it might not surprise you, I've never not been in many fights in my life. It's not something that I've happened to me, and you could probably just tell that by looking at me. But uh, but uh, after preaching those Sundays with nobody in here just to a camera, honestly, it felt like a punch in the gut every time I said amen. And, and, and it was, uh, God has been faithful even through that. So we made it through that season. And, and let's just say all sorts of spirited debates surrounding every single decision that we had to make uh, in leadership. But, but God has proved, proven himself faithful time and time and time again. Amen. So that's what we want to do this morning as we come to this place now where we don't know what the road is up ahead, but we want to acknowledge at least that when we've looked back on things that have appeared to be a detour after a detour after a detour, it was the road the whole time, and nothing that has happened has surprised our gracious and faithful Heavenly Father. Charles Spurgeon said this, he said, you have often left him, talking about the Lord, has he ever left you? You have had many trials and troubles. Has he ever deserted you? Has he ever turned away his heart? No, children of God. It is your solemn duty to say no and bear witness to his faithfulness. So that's what we're going to do this morning. We are going to boldly and profoundly claim that God has never left us, even even in our greatest trials, and we are going to proclaim his faithfulness this morning. And so I've asked each of the pastors to share. I'm so thankful to serve and minister alongside each of these men. And uh, the Lord has been working in each of their hearts, and so they're going to share what the Lord's taught them over this past year especially, and then talk about what they're excited about as we move forward in the future. So uh, without further ado, uh, please welcome Pastor Jerry. Good morning. As Mike said, each of us as pastors have been asked to take a few minutes this morning just to share uh, a look back at the year of COVID, what we've learned and what we're excited about going forward. So what I'm going to be sharing with you today really is something really personal that I believe is going to impact the way I minister in the way the church moves kind of as we move forward. Uh, So as I open this morning, I want to read just a few verses from the book of Ephesians chapter 5, beginning with verse 25. Husbands, love your wives, just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself up for her, so that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word that he might present to himself the church in all her glory, having no spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she would be holy and blameless. So husbands also ought to love their own wives as their own bodies. Like most of us in this room, uh, last March, when Governor Holcomb suspended large groups from meeting, uh, I was completely shocked. Everyone knows I read a lot of news, so I'd been kind of watching this thing develop from even as far back as December, what was going on in China and how it was developing. And so it wasn't foreign to me, but I was still shocked when it made it to the Midwest and we were sent home to do online services. One pastor each day was in the office. The rest of us were working from home. And my shock was even greater just a short time later when every health system in the state said we're suspending uh, elective procedures. 
At what time in history have nurses been sent home during a pandemic or during a health crisis, right? Well, my wife's a nurse, and she worked in a surgery center where all they did was elective procedures, so suddenly she's sent home. And we began to wonder what happens if this lingers for a long time. I mean, how can hospitals continue to pay their employees to stay home forever? What's that going to look like for us? Can we financially survive? And we honestly didn't know what was going to happen, but it didn't do any good to worry because no one had any answers, right? We, no one knew how long this thing was going to last. So for a couple of weeks, we were just at home together every day, <laughs> all day. <laughs> I was working from home, so I had things to do, but still we were at home together all day, every day. And you know what? We had fun. We enjoyed it. We enjoyed the extra time together. But that didn't last very long because after a short while, Kim's employer decided how they were going to handle their furloughed employees was to put them to work on COVID units. And so she was notified that she was being sent to Methodist to work on a COVID unit. Now keep in mind that Kim was an OB nurse for 20 plus years, not taking care of sick patients, taking care of pregnant women. And then she had recently been working in a surgery center doing elective procedures. So again, these people aren't sick. She'd never really worked in a setting taking care of sick people with infectious diseases. Not all nurses do the same thing, let alone an infectious disease that no one really understood because it was brand new to the world. And so suddenly we went from worrying, how are we going to pay our bills, to is Kim going to get COVID? And is this going to be fatal? Is she going to live? And I know that sounds dramatic, but in March and April, no one knew much. We, we didn't know anything more than anybody else. All we knew was what we were seeing on the news, and the news was pretty bleak at that point in time. But I've never been more proud of my wife than I was when she walked out the door to go to work that day. I was scared. She was scared. But I've never been more proud because she was willing to put her faith on display and she went to work trusting God to take care of her and provide for her, even in the unknown. I haven't forgotten that scripture. I'm getting there. Husbands, love your wives like Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. You know, it's pretty rare, I would say, for a husband to really be put in a position to love like Christ and that we would give our lives for our wife. I mean, if, if she was being mugged, I'd jump in front of the bullet, right? I'd take the bullet. If she was walking in front of a speeding bus, I'd, I'd push her out of the way and take the hit myself. But what's the chances that's going to happen, right? It's not going to happen. But you know what I can do, what all of us as husbands can do? We can die to ourselves to love our wives like Christ loved the church. So during that time while she was working the COVID unit, that's what I tried to do. I made sure when she got home, Dinner fit for a queen was ready. I made the bed. The floors got swept. She came home to a clean house. Now, it wasn't her standards. Kim's OCD clean. Like, if you get a drink and then you go to the restroom, when you come back, your cup's probably in the dishwasher because you walked away for two minutes, right? She's OCD clean, so I'm sure it wasn't to her standards, but I did my best. I waited on her at the back door when she got home from work, to disinfect her shoes and throw her laundry in and pour in some Lysol and turn on the hot water. And I prayed. Not that I don't always pray for her, but I prayed more intensely and more frequently during this period of time. I just tried to serve her above and beyond the norm. 
And I don't want you to interpret this as a pat on the back because it's not. In fact, it's kind of sad that it took a pandemic to get me to do some of these things. She was the one who was heroic. She willingly put herself into a situation not knowing what the outcome might be and trusted the Lord. Within a few weeks, the, the tide started to turn and the hospitalizations from COVID began to decrease and she got sent back home again. But the surgery centers hadn't reopened yet. So again, we were home alone all day, every day. <laughs> and this time we were more isolated because she'd been working on a COVID unit. So no one wanted to touch us with a 10-foot pole, right? Our family didn't want to come around and I can't blame them. Our friends didn't want to come around. I can't blame them. So we had a few weeks there where we were entirely just alone. I was still working, but truly we were just there for weeks. And honestly, again, it was great. We missed our kids and our grandkids, but at the same time, we really enjoyed just being together. And about this time, we began to see articles crop up in the news saying that in China, there was this huge uptick in divorces because couples who were quarantined together were discovering they didn't like each other and they were divorcing at unprecedented rates. And not too long after that, we started to see articles that the same thing was happening in the United States, that there was this huge increase in divorces and domestic violence and child abuse because families were forced to spend so much time together and they discovered that they didn't like it. And as we talked about these COVID divorces and these crumbling families, we realized we weren't experiencing anything like that. We were actually enjoying the extra time together and our kids and our grandkids were still thriving in the midst of this pandemic. Now prior to this we had never really thought of our marriage or our family as anything unusual. You just kind of take for granted what you have I guess. But now we began to realize that God was doing a work in our hearts. When Kim and I got together I wasn't even 16 yet. I was 15 years old when we became a couple. We got married at age 20. We have our 30th anniversary coming up in August. We've grown up together. We've raised kids together. We've gone through loss of grandparents, loss of parents together. We've struggled through all of life's ups and downs together. We've become empty nesters together. We've become grandparents together. So by this point, we should like be sick of each other, right? If anyone was a good candidate for a COVID divorce, it should have been us. That's not what happened. We thrived. We talked more. We prayed together more. We did other stuff that I can't talk about more. All of our kids just threw up in their mouths a little bit. <laughs> but we were still in the middle of a pandemic, right? So we just sort of tucked all these observations in our hats and went on. But over the past 10 or 11 months, we've just sensed that God is leading us in a particular direction, which is to marriage and family ministry. So here's what I think that means. Uh, we're not perfect. Our marriage isn't perfect. Our kids aren't perfect. We've made a lot of mistakes in our marriage. We've made a lot of mistakes in parenting. We've had a lot of disagreements along the way. But we fought for it. We've stayed together. We've stayed engaged in the battle for our marriage and family, and God has blessed that. We love each other more. We respect each other more. 
And the totality of these successes and failures has left us with some life experience and wisdom that we believe God wants us to share. We continue to believe that marriage and family are God's ideas and that if they're going to work the way he intended for them to, it'll be first and foremost because we want to be pleasing to him. And because we want to be pleasing to him, we're going to show grace to one another the way he showed grace to us. Because we want to be pleasing to him, we're going to think the best of one another. We're going to bear with one another. We're going to forgive one another. We're going to pray for one another. All to be pleasing to him. Not because we deserve it from each other, but because we want to be pleasing to God. And that is what pleases him. We've learned a lot in the past 34 years. And one thing that COVID did for us was to cause us to realize that because of all we've been through, all the experiences we've had, we have some knowledge and wisdom that we know God wants us to share in the area of marriage and family ministry. We don't have all of the details of what that looks like yet, but we're in the early stages of developing some things here at Rock Prairie that I'm excited about. Things that I believe are going to impact this church and the community. Sustainable marriage enrichment, something that is ongoing so that we don't end up with couples, as many couples at least, in crisis. Developing a team of marriage mentors. Developing counseling pathways for those who are at predictable crisis points in their family. Everything from starting a family to retirement and empty nest and everything in between. There are predictable crisis points and we need to develop pathways for that. Designing more opportunities for kids and parents like we had last Sunday night where we invited teens and their parents to come together and talk about the topic of gender. What does the Bible have to say about this topic of gender? And then we sent the families and their, the, the parents and their kids to different locations in the building to just have a discussion. And it was the coolest thing to walk around the building and see parents and kids in these little clusters having deep conversations about what the scriptures have to say about gender. Really, the goal is to integrate D6 marriage and family into all the different aspects of Rock Prairie's ministry. And the reason this is so important is that we believe strong families and are dependent upon, or strong churches and strong community are dependent upon strong families, and strong families have their roots in the Word of God. So that's what I'm really excited about. I'm really excited about marriage and families uh, being strengthened and having their foundation built on something uh, solid like the Word of God. One last thing before I wrap up. Another exciting change coming as I begin to shift my focus to marriage and family is that we're going to be looking to hire a part-time children's ministry director to free me up to focus on those things. So this person will be responsible for leading Sunday morning children's ministry and Wednesday evening Awana or whatever Wednesday evening looks like, designing summer programs for kids and organizing fun events throughout the year. So this will be a person who's interested in building teams and collaborating, uh, who is creative, who loves kids, and is energetic. So if that's you, send me a resume. So at this time, I'm going to invite Pastor Craig to come and share what he's excited about. Thank you. Good morning. <clears throat> well, Megan and I discovered something pretty soon after we moved here, and it's the fact that for whatever reason, this area has incredible bacon. And I know, and it's, it seems strange, but um, most Saturday mornings, our family has this tradition where we will we'll make pancakes, and, and often we'll have bacon with that. 
And so we discovered really early that, wow, it's really good. But um, so there was one day uh, last August when I was in White getting some, some bacon for the next day. And I began to get in that conversation with the, uh, with, with the cashier, the, the common conversation I'm sure a lot of us have had of, of you know, man, this, this uh, pandemic has been crazy. We can't wait for the end of it to come. You know, it's just exhausting. So much stuff has happened. We've all had that conversation with people. But as I was leaving, I, I, I wanted to make sure that I said this. I wanted to make sure to say that, you know, I think that there were positives for me that came out of the pandemic. And the greatest positive is that my family has grown together more than I could ever have imagined. And that's only been possible through some very hard learning in some very hard circumstances. And, and, and even in circumstances where I am not in control, and I had to learn that. And I had to learn to utterly rely on God more and more and more. And especially over this year, I've learned that to be true. And I've learned how to be a parent and how to lead a family through that. As most of you know, Megan and I are foster parents. All throughout our training and preparing for, for that step moving forward, I felt like we were ready for this. I felt like we had a stable home, we had a stable marriage. And we had everything that we needed, the experience even of many of the issues that, that um, you, you have come along with, with vulnerable kids. And in 2019, we welcomed into our home a frightened, tired little girl. The next, few months, the next few months, though, were some of the most difficult that we had ever experienced. Not only were we learning to be new parents, we were learning to be new parents with a traumatized three-year-old. There were days that I cannot even express to you that there were points in those first few months that would have been very easy for us just to throw in the towel. We've known our, our lives, that our hearts were for orphaned and vulnerable kids. We had even known this before we were even married, separate, whenever we hadn't even met each other yet. We both had that on our hearts. But in the moment, in the middle of a very tough time, where I felt like I had lost all control of my life. Every ounce of it. My heart felt like it would waver. We had come face to face with a brokenness that we had not expected, and it was breaking us too. You see, our little girl's brokenness was the result of sin. Sin happened, and it affected her, and as a result, her life was changed. She was broken by it. It was hard. It was painful to accept that brokenness into our life. It was uncomfortable. But I'm so thankful that, that Megan is awesome at, at writing little quotes and putting them above the, the kitchen sink where we do our dishes. And she had written this one from the book called Reframing Foster Care. And it, and it read like this. It said this. This is the heart of God decisively demonstrated through the gospel. He stepped into our brokenness to be broken by it so that we wouldn't have to be broken anymore. The beauty of foster care is showcased against the backdrop of brokenness that surrounds it. In light of the gospel, it is our privilege to crawl into the story of others, to wrap ourselves into their, in their brokenness, and willingly 
be broken by it, to exchange our normal for theirs, and so begin to craft an entirely new and better norm together. You see, I wash dishes every night, and so every night I am reading this, and it became a daily reminder that broke the brokenness I was feeling was a good thing. It was the work of the gospel in our lives as well as hers. Isaiah 53 uh, says this about Christ. It says, but he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was upon him. And by his wounds, we are healed. You see, Christ stepped into our broken, sin-stained world to be broken by it for our good. He exchanged his perfect normal to crawl into our broken story. He was willingly broken, giving up his life so that we might have new life. So what I needed to understand was that it's actually a privilege for me to step into her brokenness, to be able to, in some small way, reflect Christ with the hope of pointing her to him. I had to learn two things in this last year. Number one, I wanted to be the rescuer. I wanted to be the one that pulled her out of her brokenness. But that wasn't my job. My job is to point her I'm going to lose it. I couldn't do it in first service. (laughs) It's to point her to Christ. That's it. God showed me I want to control. But again, I don't have it. John 15, 5 tells us this, that apart from Christ, we are nothing. In the last year, I had to learn that. I've known it here. I'm putting it to work. He broke me. I'm going to try to put it together now. Three, two. <laughs> but, but parents... The same is true for all of us. It's true if you're parents of biological kids, of adopted kids, if you're caretakers of vulnerable kids, grandparents, aunts, uncles, anyone. It's our job to trust God and point our kids to Christ. Paul says in Ephesians that it's our job as Rock Prairie leadership to equip you to do that. I'm really glad Pastor Jerry already talked about what I was going to say (laughs) because I'm not going to get through it either. (laughs) But I'm so excited for these Connect Nights that, that we're starting in the youth group. Opportunities for us to sit with parents and to talk through difficult and hot button topics. For us to give you an opportunity to talk with your kids about these things, for you guys to be able to speak in a way that only you can. We want to give you the tools 
We want to give you the opportunity. And so, like I said last week, we are putting out these stops so that you guys can do this. And yes, we will shamelessly bribe you with food to get you here. (laughs) Because it's that important to us. You know, at the end of uh, a first service, I tried to transition to Pastor David and it did not work. It was terrible. So I'm going to go ahead and ask him to come up and to say, uh, I am so, so excited for what it looks like going forward with Rock Perry. Yeah, baby. I love that. Woo! Man, he didn't do that first service. I love it. It's God's word coming alive at the end of him is the beginning of God's work. So, hey, I'm going to talk about something God's been teaching me over the last year and then what I'm excited about personally and where I think we're headed as a church, especially in men's ministry. So, uh, last year, February 2020, February 2020, picture that, a month before things shut down, I had a journal entry that I made and it said, get rooted get grounded. And I actually found it just last week, and I was like, wow, this is really cool. (laughs) So uh, it's just amazing. Um, I felt like God was impressing on me. I'm just going to say I felt like it, that God was telling me this was going to be something I was going to be pursuing during 2020. Get rooted and get grounded, meaning get established in the love of God and let your identity be in Him and Him alone. And if that's not as basic as it's supposed to be for Christians, I don't know what is. Very important, very simple, and yet it's easy to miss. Uh, So a month later, things shut down, and I completely forgot about that journal entry. I mean, I I was thinking, this is what I'm going to do this year. I'm going to pursue this identity. And then when things changed, my focus shifted a lot to family time, to a new family member in our household. Atlas was born in March, and there was a lot of fear and anxiety about sickness and family members getting sick. My parents got sick. It seems like they were one of the first group in Tipton to get it. And so, um, and then as we served as a church, we changed a lot of how we were doing things. Lots of electronics, lots of frustrating technology and things that we hadn't really done before and just trying to kind of get, get by and minister in a new way. So it's good to serve in church and it's good to spend time with family, but it is also way more important to be spending time with God every day. Because that is the lifeblood of a Christian. You can have all the other things, but that's the most important. And I'm not going to say I lost my faith. I didn't. Um, but I didn't have that pursuit like I initially had at the beginning of the year. And it kind of, COVID kind of exposed some holes in my personal walk with the Lord. So let's just fast forward a bunch. And then Pastor Mike starts talking to the staff about this thing called Every Man a Warrior. And um, which kind of sounds cheesy when you say it at first, but it's not. Uh, So he started saying, hey, I think this is a good idea for our church, uh, for our men's ministry. And he gave me a set of three books to read before we even talked about it with the church. And, uh, you know, that whole first book is all about your love relationship with God. Again, very basic, but crucial, especially for a man. Um, And so... I think within the first chapter or two, uh, I mentioned what the greatest command in the Bible is. And I bet if I picked out any every man a warrior guy in this room that could quote it to you, Matthew 22, 36 to 38. Am I right, guys? Yep. Yep, absolutely. What is the greatest commandment? Love the Lord your God with all your heart 
and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. Then the question is, well, how do you do that? And I think we probably all heard this wonderful analogy about, well, how do you get to love a friend or a person? How do you get to love a person? Spend time with them. Listen to them. Pay attention to what they're saying. Have conversations. Well, it's similar with God, but it can seem a little abstract because, well, you know, you're, you're looking at a person, but where's God at? You know, oh, yeah, he's everywhere, right? But the approach is still kind of the same. So this book talked about skills that you should develop in your own, in your own personal life. Has anyone ever heard of a quiet time? All right, so call it whatever you want, time alone with the Lord, uh, a retreat, whatever is something that should be happening daily, the secret place, it's a good, I like that term, and so it talks about how you need to set aside a daily time to, to make sure that this happens, put it on a calendar, make sure it's happening when it's not interfering with family time, that's a big deal, especially for um, people that are in my stage of life, you don't want to interfere with family time, so uh, then it talks about what should happen in a quiet time. Sometimes that can seem a little mysterious, and you hear different people trying different things, and I'm not saying that everybody's quiet time should be the same, but there's some skills that can make it very beneficial. So it's real simple. Open up the Word, and you start to read. What is the Word? It's God's Word, and God can speak to you through that Word. So my habit is to read a bunch of chapters all together, and I might have several moments where I go, oh, this is good, this is good, this is good. By the time I get to the end, I forgot what was good in the beginning. So a real practical tool is when the first thing that jumps out at you, you stop. That's what we call the best verse in, in our groups. And it's when God is initiating conversation with you. The word is coming alive to you. And it might be something you've read a hundred times. But the temptation is to go, oh man, it's going to get better and better. No, 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 no. You need to learn this verse. It needs to get written on your heart. So I, um, I, I really latched onto that. Um, because it takes the mystery out of what a quiet time should look like. Think about it. Journal. Write just a little bit about what God has told you, because we don't remember much about what we read. We've got to meditate on it. So that was another thing it talked about, was just memorizing and meditating on Scripture. Again, real basic. And, uh, and then you communicate back with God what you believe He's saying to you. And so I, I was in the middle of Ephesians when Pastor Mike talked about this, and I, I started to apply that to what I was reading. And I love the book of Ephesians for many reasons, but I made a challenge. Okay, the first time that I feel like God's speaking to me, I'm going to stop right there. So it happened on verse 4 in the first chapter. First chapter, I, I've read that verse a lot, but it was getting written on me in a powerful way because it says... Even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. Now, even at that pace, me saying that to you, I don't think you quite, unless you've been meditating on that verse, I don't think you quite grasp what it's saying. Saying that God the Father chose us sinful people in him. In him meaning in Christ. Like he chose us to be saved by Christ so that we can be part of him and be in him. And then it says, when? Before the foundation of the world. When I read that part, it rocked my world because that's before he said, let there be light. That's before he said, let there be land and fruit and people walking on it and animals. In darkness, I was in his mind and you were too. And that's not too good to be true. And that's where I stopped. I'm like, I got I to gotta memorize this because this is so moving to me to be 
to be in the favor of God like that. And why did he do it? It's at the end of the verse. It says to be holy and blameless before him. I don't know how many of you guys ever think of yourselves as holy and blameless before the Lord, but you should think about it more because that's what you are. Not because you are good, but because you believe in Jesus. That's one of the most basic truths in the Bible. But you memorize it and you meditate on it. And so what I started to do was drop my kids off at TC uh, about 10 minutes from my house. And then afterwards, I would play you version and, and just over and over, I would listen to that verse, and I'd hit back again, and I would say it, say it, say it, and it began to get written on my heart. And the next thing that happened was the very next verse, I couldn't get past it. I'm not going to fly through Ephesians anymore because God is doing some powerful stuff in the first couple verses. It says that in love, he predestined us for adoption to himself as sons in Christ Jesus. So we got Pastor Craig talking about adoption Little Linnea could never choose him as a dad. Craig and Megan stepped into her life, and they want her. That's what God does. He steps into the brokenness, and he wants us. And it says he predestined us for that, which means we didn't have a say. <laughs> he already decided it before he even made the world. So this is what happened throughout the entire chapter. Before I knew it, I mean, I was just spending almost, you know, a few days or even a week on one verse, and it was getting written on my heart. And all of a sudden, you know, I didn't actually really realize this until last week. But the word, get rooted, get grounded, that was coming to life in me. I get to Ephesians chapter 3 and it says this. Paul is praying and he says, I'm praying that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge. That's a big deal. Like you can have it, you can know it, and yet you can't even understand it fully. That's what he's saying. To be filled with all the fullness of God. So that was happening as a direct result of reading this book. And all it was was putting in some simple skills into quiet time. It's like uh, discipleship training. That sounds pretty common and something we all need. And um, I realize that it's basic, but the basics are what fuel your entire Christian life. Learn to love God in the secret place, and he teaches you how to obey him everywhere else. Love him first. And as you do that, I just realized how much he loves me, and I couldn't talk myself out of it anymore. Because I, I knew it. The voice comes along that says, oh, you know, that's a, that's a little much. That's a little too Jesus-y. There's too much love in that. That can't be true. And yet I go, no, 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 no. This is what he said. He said, in love, he predestined me for this. So that's all that happened through several chapters in Ephesians. And that's what I'm so excited about in our church. Because now there's like 40 or 50, I guess 60 might have signed up. Somewhere in there, we got a bunch of dudes in this church that are in EMAW groups. Yes, I said EMAW, every man a warrior. It's because it's easier to text. And so I guess I speak in text. I'm a millennial. I don't know. And so they're doing this. They're meeting weekly. And here's what they do. It's like Awana. They quote scripture with each other. They're memorizing verses that compound every single week. And they're talking about quiet times. They're reading their journals and sharing at least one quiet time. And we ask, hey, did you have three or four of those this week? And it's not like a, did you have three or four? It's, hey, did you have three or four? What'd you learn? You know, oh, okay, you didn't do so good. Let's, let's get after it. Let's, let's try it again next week. And we're learning to pray to, with each other according to God's will and according to what scripture says. And there's, you can't put a price on that. This is what we're supposed to be doing. And if I think about D6, 
and what an effect a man can have in his family if the kids see that dads, he's not just trying to be a good person. Good fruit is coming out because he's learned to love God. And you teach your kids to do the same thing. And it's not a mystery. Here's how you know him. Go spend time with him. Listen to what he says. Focus on that. And it will change you. So uh, that is what I've been learning over the last year. And that is definitely what I'm excited about in our church moving forward. Come on up, Pastor Mike. Amen. God is good. Thank you guys for sharing. Love it. Uh, we are blessed as a church to, men ser- to have men serving this church who love the Lord, who are fired up about the Lord, and so thank you so much for sharing. Uh, Jerry, sharing about uh, your marriage and what the Lord's been teaching you and things that we're excited about. We are super excited about that. And I'm excited to learn the, from you and the wisdom that you have in that area. And Pastor Craig, thank you so much. There you are, Pastor Craig. Thank you so much. Super powerful. And Man, it's about time somebody else other than me gets up here and cries, so I appreciate that for sure. And uh, David, what the Lord's working in your heart through Ephesians. I don't know if he said this or not, but I don't know if I quite caught it, but he's, uh, just to brag on him a little bit, he's memorized the first three chapters of Ephesians, which is amazing. And I try to figure out a, a way to say this um, that isn't insulting. David is a very smart guy. He's not so much smarter than all of us that we can't do the same thing. That's what I'm trying to say. He's a smart guy. So, but, uh, but, but that's a convicting to me. Uh, he's been hiding God's word in his heart. And uh, I don't, honestly, I don't have a ton to add. I mean, we're just so clear that God has been so faithful to our church. But I just want to share a story. Uh, I've been kind of looking for a way to fit it into one of my sermons and haven't been able to. But just to, to tell a, a specific example of God's faithfulness. So in many, as many of you know, it's, uh, in December... Over Christmas, my family was the, the family that the CDC warned you about, that you're going to go home for Christmas and everyone's going to get COVID. My dad was a super spreader, and he had it and didn't know that he had it. And, and uh, I will never forget waking up, uh, I think it was the day, dad was kind of starting to feel not so good. And then the day after Christmas, waking up, and my mom telling us, uh, just so you know, dad lost his taste and smell. And we thought, oh boy, here we go. And then we kind of fell like dominoes after that. And uh, for me... I had a kind of a, a quote-unquote normal bout of COVID, whatever that looks like, but then uh, two weeks later, I started having these fevers, and they just wouldn't go away, and I shared that with you guys before, that uh, every single day around 1, 2, 3 o'clock, a fever would go up, and I'd just feel miserable, and then in the evening, it would finally go down, and for a while, the doctors said, you know, since this is a symptom, you have to be 48 hours symptom free. And so uh, I was stuck in my house for about six weeks and couldn't leave and uh, was, uh, was going a little bit crazy. And then finally got the good news that uh, you're not contagious anymore. And so I was able to kind of be out of quarantine. But at the same time, I was still having these fevers and it was just super discouraging. And uh, I don't know any of you who have gone through kind of chronic illness and can to test to this, you just feel, A, you feel terrible, and then you feel terrible about the fact that you feel terrible, and you can't be, couldn't be the kind of pastor I wanted, or husband I wanted, or dad I wanted, just couldn't do these things uh, that I felt like I needed to do, and, and I was just super discouraged, and I, uh, I would, Naomi's not here today, Naomi Sluka, but there were a couple times, because she had this same thing with all, 
She had fevers every day for about a month was hers. And she said that uh, for her, the Lord kind of revealed to her like a spiritual breakthrough. And after that happened, that her fevers went away. And so she kept asking me, like, have you had a breakthrough? And I, I was like, no, I haven't. I wish I could. Like, I, I'm trying here. I'm praying. But uh, I haven't had that. And uh, it didn't happen. And then um, we're going through, just like David was saying, our Every Man a Warrior group. And uh, it's just, I, I know it feels, sounds like an infomercial, but man, it's just the simplest things, just getting back to the basics, like David was saying. So we're going through the, the lesson on prayer, and it's not complicated. And there's this kind of, it's almost, it's almost a silly story at the beginning of the lesson. The guy, there's, he's telling about a guy who, like, his, his wife really wanted a piano, and they couldn't afford a piano. And so then he uh, decided he was going to start praying about it, and then the Lord provided the funds for them to buy a piano. And through that simple story, the Lord just, like, hit me with a ton, ton of bricks and just told me, that, like, I would never think to pray for something like that. Never in a million years would I have thought in my mind that, like, to pray for something like that. And it showed how shallow my prayer life can be. It's not that I don't pray, but there are so many things that I don't pray about. And I think just kind of my natural wiring spiritually is to emphasize the fact that, like, when you pray, God doesn't always answer your prayer like you might think he, he will or want him to. And that's true. But what I've kind of forgotten is sometimes he does. Like, sometimes he really does bless you beyond what you can imagine. And so our Every Man and Warrior group was meeting, and I was sharing with them just my frustration with the fevers. And Craig Salisbury said, I'm going to set my alarm on my phone every day at 3 o'clock and pray for you. And something in my spirit, like, rebelled against that. And I... I don't know about you, but it's, it can be hard to accept something like that. Like, yet, for example, yesterday our, our lawn mower had broken and our grass was about this tall and, and it wasn't fixed yet, so I needed to get our lawn mowed and borrow someone's lawn mower. So I did this, like, inventory in my head of, like, which neighbor have I helped out the most so I don't feel bad about asking them to borrow the lawn mower. And I don't know if any of you can relate to that, but it's hard to accept grace, is it not? And that was an, ele- that was an act of grace. And it wasn't just Craig. It was my whole group setting, praying for me every day. And you know what? My fevers went away. <laughs> Praise God that he answered that prayer. And that's it, just all glory to him. And I just need to give him the glory for that. And, and yes, sometimes God doesn't answer like you want him to. But sometimes he does. And I am so thankful for the Lord to revealing that to me. I'm so thankful for this group of men who we're walking through life arm in arm. And so many of you are part of a group like that. And if you're not a part of a group like that, let us know that you want to be. Anytime we can get three or four guys together who can meet at the same time, we'll put you together and we'll get you going because it is so important. But I am so thankful for our church. I'm so thankful for what the Lord has been teaching us. And there's a, there's a verse in 1 Thessalonians that really sums up my feelings for our church perfectly, and, and it's this. 1 Thessalonians 4.1 says, Finally, dear brothers and sisters, we urge you in the name of the Lord Jesus to live in a way that pleases God as we have taught you. And then this is the key point. You live this way already. And we encourage you to do so 
even more. I think that's where we're at as a, sta- as a church. You are living this way already, but let's do so even more. And there's a couple of things I want to just encourage us in. The first one is this, that you're excelling in giving. We talked about at the beginning of the service, like we are in a great place as a church financially, but we are excelling in giving, but let's do so even more. There's some things that we're so excited about on the horizon. Number one, like Pastor Jerry said, hiring a part-time children's director. You look around, we have, this church is a church full of young families and we need to be investing in the next generation and so things like that take finances and so we need to be invest spending our resources to invest in the next uh, generation so as you excel in giving continue more and more it's not just with with kids ministry though with things that like uh, in our community the neighbors team has some really cool things that they're working on that we're excited to share with you but again it takes financial resources the nation's team we're talking about bringing on another missionary partner we want to continue our efforts to make Christ known not only to our neighbors but to reach the ends of the earth with the gospel and to see what part the Lord has our church here in Tipton to play in that and again these things take finances so as as much as we've excelled in giving, it's not the time to coast. Let's continue to do so more and more as we make Christ known from our neighbors to the nations. And then next, as you're excelling in discipleship, do so even more. We've talked a lot about our Everyman a Warrior groups that are taking place right now. Not just the men, though. We have several women's Bible studies that just wrapped up that are, are teaching the women in our church to fall in love with God's Word and to grow and to grow in their knowledge and love for the Word and in fellowship with one another and... Uh, and, and Bibles and breakfasts that have been taking place and just several things. And, and not only that, life groups that have been going on that have persevered even through the pandemic. Um, it, it, life groups coming together to bear one another's burdens. We talk about the sermon each week and uh, doing life together. So all that to say, we're excelling in discipleship, but it's not the time to coast. Every man and warrior, guys, let's, let's be honest. The rubber's starting to hit the road. Those, Bible, those memory verses are starting to add up, and uh, it's starting to get tough. And, it's, and summer's coming. And there's going to be the temptation for every single one of us, let's be honest, to say, like, let's maybe, maybe it's time to abandon ship. But let's persevere, all right, guys? No discipline is pleasant at the time, but painful, but it's worth it. So let's persevere in that. Or maybe it's just kind of tempting as summer comes, the weather warms up, to just coast in your discipleship, coast in your relationship with the Lord. Let's continue as we've excelled in discipleship. In discipleship. Let's be a church that continues to excel more and more. The enemy wants to do everything he can to get in the way of that, doesn't he? Let's not let him. Let's continue to persevere and excel in discipleship more and more. There's so much more that can be said here, but we're running low on time, and so I just want to close with this. I love this church. I love you. Every time I say I love you, Rock Prairie, at the end of the service, I mean it from the bottom of my heart, and I know that you love me and my family, too, and the other pastors and their families as well. There's nothing that encourages me more than to see a church love and care for one another. I hear stories about this all the time. I say this a lot, too. A healthy church does not... depend only on the pastors to do all the ministry. The pastors are called to equip the saints for the work of ministry. And every time I hear a story about you guys loving and ministering to one another, there's nothing that fires me up more. And so let's continue that more and more as well. Keep pressing on. Keep loving one another. Keep giving. Keep serving. Keep growing in your discipleship. And let's continue to make Christ known from our neighbor's to the nations. And when the road takes a turn that we don't expect and we feel like we're on a detour, we're going to trust that the detour that the Lord has us on is in fact 
the road. I'm going to pray, and then I'm going to invite the worship team up as we close with one final song. Let's pray. God, you have been good to us. God, we are safe to hope. Sometimes it feels like almost it's dangerous to hope because we don't know what's coming. But you have been good to us, and we are safe to hope. We will learn to believe when the way is long and slow. We can be full of doubt sometimes, God, but you are kind and close. So God, help us to trust more and more that the detours of life that you have us on are in fact the road. It's not even just about our church, Lord. Every single person in here can look back at difficult times and say, God, we know that this has been the road that you've had us on and you've been kind and close the whole time. We praise you for that, God. We thank you for your faithfulness. We thank you for the ways that you are working in this place. We ask that you would do so more and more. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you.